Welcome back to Small Town Missing. I'm Thomas. I'm Will. And I'm Rhonda. And thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you so much for some of the comments we've been getting on yes. Instagram and on the podcast. I know. Well, and you know, that person that actually said we had another um, actual review the other day that was really nice. And I'm, I'm trying to pull it up. I'm stalling for time as we speak. <laughs> but um, so I'm going to say her name because, I mean, she posted it. It's a public platform, but it was Bayou Girl 318 She goes, it's like sitting down with my friends and talking crime, underrated, and hopefully we'll gain listeners. So that was very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was nice. That was nice. I, I didn't have to pay her or anything like that, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> it's Why me. would you even put that in people's minds? <laughs> I would. One, we're not even making money at this. I so know. we're not paying anybody. I'm having fun doing it. That's yeah. that's what matters, right, Rhonda? It is. I mean, that's why we started the whole thing. It was yeah. to de-stress. Yeah. It really work. was. Yeah. Which is so funny that we we picked a, a true crime, crime thing to, to de-stress. No, 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 no. no. Let's, let's say we. Uh, it he was y'all. Did. It was all uh, Thomas. Thomas was just present. Thomas it, will always be in denial. He'll be in denial. He, he but he, he. I will say this: like Thomas has only gotten better with time, as like with the editing and stuff like that as we've gone on. You know. You still get those moments where there are breaks in the episode. So, you know, Thomas was having a rage-filled rant. Well, you know, uh, it was funny before we started recording this. Y'all should have seen the room as we were trying to record and, like, test and everything. And uh, Thomas, he probably said a few choice words, I'm sure, because it was not picking up on the laptop at all. Oh, no. What it, what it was doing, it was ignoring our... Uh our mixer, it was completely ignoring it, treating it like it didn't exist. It's tired of it. It's yeah. tired. Yeah. So every time I was trying to go through the mixer, uh, it was basically saying, <laughs> no. The mixer, and I will say this, like this goes back to the other podcast we had, the RTWs. It's hard to listen to those first episodes. Just because it sounds so wrong. It does. And I remember thinking the Yeti microphone was the best thing. And then when we got the sound mixer, that was a game changer. Oh, yeah. We sound completely different. We does. It does. I, I like that. But um, nevertheless, we got it working. Yes. Well, you ready to start this episode? I am. And, and bottom line, we appreciate our yes. listeners. Thank, thank you, you and thank y'all. And I am surprised we're getting. I think I've received two in the past week and a half request for yeah. research. Uh, one was a murder. One was a missing person. Mm-hmm. And I've started doing some research, and I found very little on both of those. And I'm not going to say their names because I'm hoping I can pull together enough to make a podcast to make an ep- episode. But both very very limited information mm-hmm. on both of those. But I, again. Yeah, I again, I appreciate uh, people putting stuff on Instagram and asking, you know, can you can you do this? Can you yeah, research yeah. this? Give us a podcast. Well, we're always, you know, willing to do that. Like that's the whole thing. Like I love the interaction, especially on podcasts like, you know, some of the bigger ones and stuff. Like they still listen to their listeners and that's what I wanted to do, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's and the whole point. We were having some at least one person having issues finding small town missing on Instagram. It should just be small town missing all lowercase. I found it the other day. Yeah. I went looking. Y'all let, let us know but, if you see it. If y'all are able yeah. to do it. Well, obviously we're having some comments, but if y'all look small town missing up on Instagram, just let us know if you're having any issues. Yeah. And, and if you, you can't know. find it, message us through the podcast. Yes. And we can do it that way. Yes. yes. Please. And speaking of requests, um, I know you put this one together, Will. Now, I believe this is a request. This also. is a request. And I won't I won't say their name, but they know who they are. Okay, well, let's go ahead and get started. So again, today's uh, case, uh, it's a murder, and I guess I can go ahead and and put it out there. It's a murder of Ruth Marie Terry. Oh, this one's good, Rhonda. Yeah, and it's interesting because you were working on this, and 
suddenly there was some action or some movement yes. on it. And, and granted, um, I think there has been a podcast about this. I think there's a four-part series, which we'll probably talk about later. But um, it is interesting to know that, you know, this has had some recent developments just this year. And, and we talked about it's very similar with a case that we've covered previously. Right. Yeah, this is uh, similar to the uh, Patricia Gildewee that we did just a few weeks ago. And uh, thanks to the advances, and I'll just go ahead and get launch on into this, uh, yeah. thanks to the advances in genealogy, the person we're talking about has recently been given her name back. And today we're covering, again, the murder of Ruth Marie Terry mm-hmm. or the Lady in the Dunes. Oh. What a cool name, too. And apparently this is like one of the oldest, if not the oldest, uh, cold case in Massachusetts, I think, or one of the oldest ones, I believe is correct. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, according to an article on ProvincetownMA.gov, July 26, 1974. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the older ones we've done. Yeah, Uh, A body of an unidentified woman was discovered in the dunes roughly a mile east of Race Point Ranger Station inside the Cape Cod National Seashore in Provincetown, Massachusetts. She was found nude, lying on a beach blanket with her head resting on folded jeans, which is odd. Yeah, I'm like, what a weird way to, you know, I don't know. Yeah, the body's hands were missing in what police uh, officials think was obviously a, a delay in identification. Her head was still attached, but almost completely severed as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cause of death was thought to be a blow to the head, and it was originally suspected that this fatal blow occurred weeks previously. So now, do you know, and maybe I'll, as I read through this podcast, it may reveal it, but do you know, Will, I mean, had she been in that location for that length I, of time? I think, because I, I really didn't get much information, and I'm sure some of those other podcasts go into it. I didn't see much information on how decomposed the body was, but I I am thinking that it, they suspected it had been a few weeks, for sure. Okay. Well, over the next five decades, yes, five, five decades, decades, investigators canvassed neighborhoods. They reviewed thousands of missing person cases, attempted uh, facial model recognition, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, reconstruction in an attempt to help identify the woman, but uh, no such luck. Mm-hmm. On October 31st, 2022, this just, year, just days ago, our favorite day here on the podcast. Uh, yeah. Halloween, a break in the case was revealed to the public using investigative genealogy, something that we've t- touched on back in, as we said, in our Patricia Gildewee episode. Yes that Jane Doe was identified as Ruth Marie Terry of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Okay, the announcement was made by several agencies, some of which included the Boston Division of the FBI, the Massachusetts State Police, and the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A few days later, on November 3rd, 2022, yeah. <laughs> again, just days ago, more information was released to the public. Law enforcement released details pertaining to a man named Guy Rockwell Moldavan. Yep, I believe it's Moldavan. Okay. Now, Moldavan was believed to have married Ruth in February of 1974. Okay, so... This is shortly before her her death. Yeah, because the body was found July 26, 1974. So they believe they were married in February of that year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, Moldavan is now deceased. Yeah, I I think, and I don't know if I went over the date in in the notes for the podcast. Um, On the chronology of the case, I think you can find it, which we'll link in the show notes. But I believe he died in 2002. So it's been 20 years ago. Yeah, some time ago. All right, the next part of the story has been chronicled in a timeline published in the Cape Cod Times. It was published November 8th, 2022. A reporter named Zane Razik. Yeah, I believe that's right. Thank you. You know how I am with names. Hey, Thomas was going to take over for us. I asked him, I'm like, all right, be on the back burner. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was planning it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's 
really good with this <laughs> with pronunciation. Names. I'm terrible. Uh, thanks to Zane, the public can now have some semblance of understanding towards this very famous cold case. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruth Marie Terry was born in Tennessee, September 8th, 1936. She's listed in the census documents from 1940 from Marion County, Tennessee, as the granddaughter of Green and Celia Terry. I love that name too, like Green or like you know, I, I love that name as a first name. Yeah, but as a first name. Interesting. She has a few siblings listed in these documents as well, but various documents list a differing amounts of siblings over time. Mm-hmm. Now, October of 1956, Ruth married her first husband, Billy Ray Smith, in Marion County, Tennessee. Now, hey, that's a Tennessee name. That is. That certainly is a Southern name if I've ever heard one. <laughs> yeah. Now, unfortunately, the marriage didn't last. And in 1958, Ruth apparently gave birth to a baby boy, but ultimately gave him up for adoption. Yes. Uh, that's sad. Yeah, and I didn't know either. I, you know, and, and granted, it's probably for the best, too. I don't know what kind of, you know, I know with certain, uh, you know, adoptions and stuff like that, you could choose whether or not you want to be known to the kid, you know, eventually over time. So I, I don't know much about that adoption, you know, from the documents that I read. Okay. The next significant piece of information comes from February 16th, 1974, when Ruth, under a different name, marries Guy Rockwell Moldavan in Washaw County, Nevada. Mm -hmm. Months later, Ruth's body would be found November, I'm sorry, July 26th after a, after a 12 year old. Wow. Yeah. Leslie Metcalf discovers Ruth's body along with her parents. I could not imagine, y'all, especially because I'm assuming from the location, especially because it had been weeks at this time that that wasn't a heavily trekked area, um, I guess, in the, in you know, in Massachusetts. But it is crazy to say, like, you know, nobody before then uh, found her. And I, I hate to say that, you know, or hate to see that a 12 year old was the one that had to do it. Yeah. Now, okay. Am I mistaken? Was this a beach area? So I think it's like a beachy area, like in dunes. Like what? What did I say? It was in. Um, it's in Massachusetts, but where exactly? It was in a a park, wasn't it, Rhonda? Yeah, Cape Cod National Seashore. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm, I guess it's like a park that has like a little beachy area there. Maybe that's what. That's kind of what comes to my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we're not used to the, the that kind of thing here. Like I don't, I don't really think of beaches in any of the parks that we have. You know. No, you have to drive. You had to drive a little bit further. <laughs> okay. Although most of the information we covered on Ruth, uh, there is more, some more information available on Moldavan that uh, has been chronicled by Zane's same article. Uh, Guy Rockwell Moldavan was born to parents Albert and Sylvia Moldavan, October 27th. 1923. So there were several years difference. Yeah, several years difference on that. I think uh, hers was 1936 or so. So I mm-hmm. guess like a 13-year age difference. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, Guy's father, Albert, was apparently an ex-capitalist that had originally spent 23 years as a Wall Street, oh, I'm sorry, Wall Street trader, but ultimately gave everything up to live in an idyllic life in a rose-vined cottage on Cape Cod. Yeah, and that was a quote from the uh, one of the articles, apparently, it was a rose-vined cottage. That does sound pretty nice, I will say. Okay, so does it sound like then maybe Guy Rockwell Moldavin was somewhat well-to-do, or do you think his father just said hey there were, i'm chucking it all i think in and, and i don't think i listed it in the notes i think that the family also bought several other properties so i'm assuming they're pretty well off i don't know what the situation was or the relationship was between the father and him so i don't know it does i'm not exactly sure how much money he would have had okay but i, I guess I, his family comes from money I'm I'm just curious because you think Rose Vine Cottage on Cape Cod? Yeah, they said it was like nice. the biggest house I think too. So like it's a big house and like a bit a good well-to-do area. 
That's interesting. Mm-hmm. An ex-capitalist. <laughs> okay. Eventually, years later, Moldavan marries a woman named Manzanita Marns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry. M-E-A-R-N-S. Yeah, I guess it's Marns. Marns. Like okay. Or, you know, so, something along those lines. Uh, now, she eventually goes missing along with her 18-year-old daughter, Named Dolores Ann. Isn't that such a good name, too? I love that name, Dolores. I've always loved that name. Yeah, it is a cool name. Eventually, Moldavan divorces Manzanita due to desertion charge and marries his third wife, Evelyn Emerson. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know about the first wife, too. It just really uh, delved into the second wife here, which was Manzanita. So it, from what I gathered from the articles, it seemed like she up and left. And then so he used that, the fact that she wasn't around to divorce her and to marry the second woman. Yeah, I was looking through your notes for the first wife, and I don't see anything about that. Yeah, so. I tried to find some more stuff about that. I couldn't really. Okay. Uh, and this marriage seems, uh, appears to be short-lived as Moldavan is a eventually goes on the lamb after bits of human tissue and pieces of a human body are found in a newly sealed septic tank at the home uh, at where he and Manzanita lived. At yes, that home. And they, he would be the first prime suspect going on the lamb. He, he's running away. Okay. Look, you don't look too good, sir. Uh, this is what year is this? Uh, this was a few years before. It's in. It's chronicled in the actual timeline. I'll link it down there. I don't want to give like an exact date because I don't have it pulled up. But I mean, this is a few years I think before um, uh, he meets. Uh, I guess uh, Ruth, Ruth Marie. Mm-hmm. Okay. After what's called a national manhunt, Moldavan is eventually charged by the FBI with unlawful flight to avoid giving testimony relating to mutilation of human remains. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting charge. But not murder. Or, you know, or not. That's weird to me. Unlawful flight. Yeah, unlawful flight. I've never, I've never referenced that as unlawful flight or, you know, running away. Yeah. Apparently, however, Moldavan was never arrested pertaining to any involvement towards Manzanita or Dolores Ann, whose bodies are the ones that we assume were found in the septic tank. Yeah, because like I don't I've never heard anything else about it. And I'm gonna listen to that four part series, although I they didn't know her when they who this was whenever they actually uh did the podcast, because I think the podcast was done in two thousand nineteen. So it was before she was, you know Identified. Identified. So they won't have much this information in those podcasts, I'm assuming. Yeah, they wouldn't know who to link it to. Exactly. Okay. Uh, apparently, however, uh, okay, so he wasn't arrested in, in relation to the discovery of those bodies or body parts. Mm-hmm. He was arrested, however, for larceny charges after swindling his third wife's family out of $10,000. Yep. Apparently, he was sentenced to no more than 15 years. And on March 22nd, 1962, his sentence was suspended, however, after a judge ruled for him to simply repay the money. <laughs> He has done so much shady things. Wow. That just, I don't have words. Thomas, like, he was, like, looking at something else for a second, and he, at that, he came up and, like, was speaking. He His mouth, like, kind of dropped open, you guys. Okay, $10,000 was a lot of money back then. Yeah, I wonder yeah, what 10000 Hey, Thomas, can you look up how much $10,000 was in 19? Was it 60? 62. In comparison to now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, his sentence was suspended in 1962, and I'm looking through your notes again to see I don't see exactly when this charge was given for yeah. larceny, mm-hmm. but, you know, obviously I would say early 60s. And I'm assuming, too, while Thomas is kind of looking that up for us, Rhonda, that all of the all of this information that was provided in this article is probably, like we say, a result of this investigative genealogy, which is combining 
the DNA matches from this case and I guess that identified her and also historical documents because a lot of this is like historical documents I guess from Ruth and all, all of these people kind of put together so we're kind of seeing a little bit more of the story here finally after what almost 50 years you know so that's pretty cool yeah Ruth I guess was the missing piece yes tying him to her yep and then you go back and you look oh my goodness he had a, a wife and an, a, I don't know if it was his wife's 18 year old daughter or yep. if it was I wouldn't think it was his daughter yeah I mean he's already he's a uh, He's tied to these two people. He's tied to like evading the police for however much time in a national manhunt. And then he has aliases, which I think we've talked about too. Like he has an alias and also Ruth has aliases that she uses and she's tied to a whole bunch of other areas, which we may talk about later, but it's just, it is very odd. The circumstances. Yeah. Uh, Just. uh, uh, (laughs) Are you speechless? Uh, 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 10 grand in 62 would be the equivalent of having about, Roughly, eighty-eight grand right now. Oh, wow! You just That's got that laying around somewhere. I feel like you do. I not like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ten, like maybe maybe at best ten grand in today's money. Don't lie. He he has yeah. it all in his mattress. Like, come on now. He has it all in his mattress. Jeez. Yeah, can okay. we go back in time and make some purchases? Oh, uh, I know. And just set up a bank account that accrues interest. Oh my gosh! If only y'all. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, okay. And eventually in 1974, Moldavan marries Ruth and we know the rest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Before her eventual positive identification, several attempts were made to properly identify Ruth Marie Terry. Blood samples were taken in 1980 after her body was exhumed from her burial plot. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So they exhumed and, and, I guess maybe DNA was starting yeah. to evolve and that's why they because did that. You heard, and I'm sure Thomas remembers in like forensics and stuff too. Like I think in some of these cases, like they would set aside information or like, or like evidence later. Cause they're like, okay, we don't have everything we can test for now. I wonder if in however many years we're going to have some way of providing some kind of answer, maybe using the evidence that we can do. So why not take a vial of blood and then like use it later, you know? Yeah. Why not? You never know. Exactly. Okay. A DNA sample was also taken in 2000 after it was suspected that Ruth may have been a woman named Rory Jean Kessinger. Kessinger had escaped from a Plymouth prison in 1974 and had been missing ever since. Mm -hmm. In 2015, soil samples were taken from the original 1974 crime scene by a college professor and five of his students in hope of a DNA match, which could be obtained. And finally, 48 years after her murder at the hands of an unknown assailant, Ruth Marie Terry was identified. Now, that's interesting. In 2015, they mm-hmm. went back to the original crime scene, yeah, hoping to get something to help with her identification. I don't know. Would y'all think that there would be any evidence that you could really... I mean, granted, listen, I'm not a scientist. I mean, I'm a nurse, but like at the same time... I, I don't know. You feel like with the amount of exposure over time, I mean, that's like years and years of like exposure to the sun and the elements. Like, I don't know. Would there be anything viable there still? I, and, you know, I have, again, I like you, I'm not a scientist. I wouldn't know, but I would think if it were like, which I assume it's a beach, yeah. it's a shore, you know, storms, that kind of thing have washed over it. Uh, yeah. You know, just the, even just the normal rain, wind, snow that you would get in that area. And then you, you pile on any kind of hurricanes or tropical storms that may go up the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would be surprised, but again, I have no idea. I, who knows? Who knows? Okay. I wanted to take a minute to talk about the importance of investigative genealogy in this case. 
Investigative genealogy helps cold cases by using DNA analysis and combining these scientific processes with traditional genealogy research and historical records. Mm -hmm. Now, although Ruth has been identified, the public is still seeking answers in relation to whom may have perpetrated her murder. You can access information pertaining to her case on FBI.gov, which is also included in our show notes. Mm -hmm. Now, at the time of her death, Ruth Terry was a Caucasian woman, 5'6", roughly 146 pounds. And although she may have resided in Tennessee, it's been reported that she may have ties to California, Massachusetts, and Michigan. If you have any information pertaining to her case, you can contact the FBI's toll-free tip line, 1-800-CALL-FBI, or the Massachusetts State Police at 1-800-CAPTURE, and that's CAPTURE with a K. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why the K why it was with the K. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. And if you would like to hear another podcast on the case, the Cape Cod Times and Wicked Local. Wicked, Wicked yeah, Local? I don't know. I guess it's like just the producing company or something like that. I'm not sure. Has put together a four-episode podcast called The Lady of the Dunes in 2019, and it can be found on Apple Podcast as well. I'm giving all them the credit because I'm sure some of the information that was chronicled in that probably came from the podcast maybe too. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and as always, information and sources, uh, it's gonna, it will be in our show notes, and you can follow us on Instagram at Small Town Missing. So, uh, Rhonda, what do you think? Like, uh, do you, to me, and I'm not going to say anything because he's deceased. He's not here to, whatever. Defend himself. Defend himself or whatever. I, but it does sound sketchy. It does sound sketchy. And to me, like, especially like he has this history and everything, Moldavan and everything. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting weird vibes from him. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say he did it because I don't know, but maybe they'll find something out. Maybe. Uh, okay, so he had a wife that disappeared. They found in the septic tank uh-huh. along with an and I, I'm thinking that's her eighteen year old daughter. About. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and let's see, what about the third wife? So I don't know. The only, I didn't get much information on the the and which granted this is coming out very soon after her positive identification. I mean, we're recording this. It's literally November 9th, 2022. So this is, I mean, the update came on the 3rd, and then the article for the chronology came out on the 8th. It came out yesterday. And I was just like, I mean, we don't know. I mean, maybe they'll find out and update it as more information comes to light. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's someone out there who does know. Like, uh, And again, here's the third wife, Evelyn Emerson. But you have to think, too, uh, Guy was born in 1923, so he would be 99 years old now. Yep, which I mean, yeah, and he passed away in 20, so I think he was in his 70s, like, into the, he was in, I think, after battling, like, a long illness, he passed away in, like, 2002. Yeah, I'm just wondering how old Evelyn may be, if she's still around. Yeah. If there are any children or anyone else connected, maybe, who would have more information on what he was really like. I don't, and I just, I don't understand how... I mean, he went on a night, like it was a national manhunt for him at, at one point in time, and yet he wasn't the one charged, I guess, in these, like having the bodies in the septic tank. But I guess, you know, he was charged with trying to run away to try to like maybe not, you know, giving information himself on these bodies. But I don't know. I mean, to me, he is just the most likely suspect. I, I'm sure he was a person of interest. Yeah, 100%. Which I had never seen that. That's all alleged. We're alleging this at people. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm. that's my assumption. <laughs> it just, you know, you always have to look closest to home, I, I think, for these cases, for sure. Yeah, and I, the charge of unlawful flight. 
<laughs> I've never heard of it. Thomas, what's unlawful flight? Have you ever heard of that? Just running nope, away? Nope, never heard of it. I've never heard that term. Well, let me say the whole thing again. Unlawful flight to avoid giving testimony relating to mutilation of human remains. I think that was in a quote. You know, that might be when, you know, when the cops say, don't leave town, you... We might have more questions for you. Yeah. That might be what it is. is well, yeah, I get like, yeah. Leave after that. I don't know, y'all. That's what, but he went on the run, apparently. <laughs> yeah. He did not want to answer for that. Yeah. Well, I agree with you, Will. Uh, that would be someone I would really take a really close look at. I don't know. Maybe he left like a diary or something like that, kind of detailing that. It's kind of, it just goes back to, um, uh, I don't know. There's got to be somebody that knows something, like whether or not maybe it's like an old wives' tale or like, you know, I don't know. that. I, I feel like there's a lot of players in this one. I would like to know why she had aliases, you know, and I, I don't know. Maybe they both had aliases, apparently, because like, I think in some of those documents it says that she had because she married um, him under another name, apparently, which I don't know the name. But um, that is odd. I don't know. I, I don't know the story. I'd love to know. It, it sounds like I'm getting like a weird, you know, th- uh, not Thelma and Louise, but uh, what Bonnie and Clyde thing going on here, which I'm not saying anything. But like, you know, I'm getting that kind of a vibe from that. So oh, wow. I don't know. Very interesting. It's Maybe, interesting. Yeah. Like you say, they this stuff is just information has just been released. I mean, yes. we're days ago. Uh-huh. So maybe we will find out more. We'll just have to go back and check on this periodically. Yeah, maybe this see. will be one of our updates that we can do in a future episode. Yeah, because we have had some updates we on have. some of our past episodes. We sure have. Interesting, Will. But thank you, Rhonda, for reading it. You do so amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, it's it's your notes. I'm, you know, I'm doing what I can. And then... Thomas corrects me the rest of the time. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. I do a lot of editing. He does do a lot of editing. But all right, guys. Thank you so much for listening once again. And please leave your comments. If you have any suggestions, come on, throw them yeah, at us. Yeah, and Google. share us, y'all. It really yes. helps. And rate. Rate, comment, and subscribe. All that bull crap, you know? Yeah, you know, the thing that we said we'd never say, please do. Oh, we're YouTubers. <laughs> we're like, we're YouTubers uh, in podcast form. Who knows? We might try that again someday. I hope so. I hope so. But. All right, guys, thank you so much, and catch you next week.